Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. All right, good morning, church. How are you? We're glad to have our online campus with us, aren't we, church? Let's welcome them to the party. And uh, we're glad to see you here today. I'm I'm glad to see Miguel in the front row. Miguel, man, something special going to happen. Single guy, he can bench 320, 2% body fat. Ladies, you might want to sit towards the front. Then there's Joey up here too. Pastor Joey. Great man of God. I love seeing Pastor Joe. He's usually making all of this happen, and now he's in the front row. And I love Joey, Julia, their family. Uh, and uh, I just have an expectation God's going to do some great things today. Anybody else feeling that, sensing that, believing that? Online campus, go ahead, give yourself a screen name, join the conversation, join the chat. And uh, here in the room, let's not be outdone. A couple amens here and there, activating your own faith to what you're hearing. And uh, saying yes and agreeing to what God wants to do through our uh, time together today. Good morning. Uh, I'm going to invite you right now. Take your Bibles. We're, we're a Jesus-worshiping, Bible-believing, people-lifting church. And uh, so if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn with, with me. First Thessalonians 5, verse 18. We're going to give you a moment to get there. That's the really the back fifth of the Bible. If you just kind of fan through there, if you're not sure where to find it. Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You find it right in that area there. And so uh, we're going to get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in a minute. Uh, Anybody here excited for Thanksgiving week? Got some time off, hopefully. Maybe you got plans to travel, to be with family. Maybe you're the host site. We're hosting this year, so I think we got maybe 24, 25 people not just going to feed them, but we're providing uh, accommodations as well for about three or four nights. So it's going to be a big party. And uh, wherever you're going, traveling, uh, know this. Your church is praying for you. And uh, Thanksgiving doesn't have to be this weird, awkward thing that we avoid with family. Family is given by God. And uh, you're in that family for a reason. And uh, so we're going to be praying for you that there's all kinds of grace on you to be a positive impact and um, of course, I always recommend that you t- take us with you. You got the new Citizen Heights app. So next Sunday, if you're, if you're not back in town, just ho- go ahead, jump online, join us, uh, introduce us to your family. We have people who watch all over the world, but people who've never been in the building, but you're part of what God is doing here. And so we'd love to connect that with your family as well. So do you have First Thessalonians yet? Chapter five, ready to talk about Uh, Our topic today, I want to talk to you about a theology of thankfulness, okay? A theology of thankfulness, and of course, if you have the Citizenites app, you're going to have access to some discussion notes in there. The rest of us, team's going to help us on the big screen. And so let's start with 1 Thessalonians 5, and let's talk about a theology of thankfulness, amen? Because there's something bigger than a holiday There's a culture, there's a value, there's a principle that God wants to really, um, I believe, bring to life 
in your life in a personal way today. So 1 Thessalonians 5 says, In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you all. Everybody say y'all. That's right. It's about you all. And I I like reading, but I like reading together as a church. It's a short passage. Let's run this back. Let's read it off the big screen together. And we're going to emphasize those first three words. Are you ready? Read with me. In all things, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning y'all. If you wonder what God's will is for you, if you're one of those people who say, well, I, should I go to the, to the right? Should I go to the left? Am I supposed to major in this? Should I major in that? Should I marry them or, or this person? Should I, what is my season? What is my situation? What's the will of God in the now? Can I tell you with all confidence, there's certain baseline uh, the, things that I would call presuppositional, foundational uh, uh, revelations of God's will for us all. And we can live off the foundation of some of those principles and the foundation of those uh, moments, if you will, of God's will lead us to some of the more micro moments of God's will. Do you hear me? So when we talk about God's will, it says it's his will that in all things we would give thanks. Now, I was reflecting recently on all the life-changing uh you know, moments that people have encountered at this altar area here at our Tenley Town campus. You know, we have, we have water baptisms, um, you know, getting free of this, letting go of that, giving God access to all uh, people, giving their lives to Jesus, of course. Big moments at the altar here. And, um, and weddings, right? Weddings, that's a big moment. A lot of weddings over the years, and uh, weddings are one of those things where there's, it's a very like solemn, serious situation, and it's so tense that a lot of times funny things will happen, and, um, and as I was reflecting, I just remembered this moment, and, and this actually happened here in this room at Citizen Heights, and um, so the names have been changed to protect the guilty, and... Uh, because I think I saw him come in today. Uh, One of our dear friends uh, was doing the scripture reading portion of the wedding, which is a really special moment, right? Here's a friend, and they're going to (laughs) read. So you know where we're going. And um, they had smartly bookmarked their Bible in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, And at the rehearsal, they uh, smartly and dutifully opened to 1 Corinthians 13. You know, love is patient, love is kind. A great reading, very special. And uh, did a great job in the rehearsal. But, but after they did the reading in the rehearsal, they just stuck the bookmark back in the Bible. Uh, they misplaced the bookmark. Uh, so during the ceremony, um, they opened to the bookmark, which had been misplaced, and ended up uh, reading from Jeremiah. Now, if you don't know the prophet Jeremiah, <laughs> he's known as the weeping prophet. Uh, not a lot of encouraging, uplifting messages for, you know, the general population, let alone a, a, a newly married couple. And so they proceeded to, you know, read from Jeremiah. Woe to you harlots, to you adulterous nation. I believe the King James was the lustful neighings of <laughs> neighings. It's like 
you know, you ever feel like you've lost your place and end up communicating the very opposite of the thing you intended to communicate? You know, it was, it was funny, but I think sometimes we lose our place and we end up communicating the very opposite of the thing that we did intend to communicate. And I don't think that's any more true in, in, in a message that, that is any more relevant right now to people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and to collective communities, churches, that say we are representatives of Christ, that if we lose our place, we end up misrepresenting and actually contradicting the very message that Jesus made alive to our hearts, and then it gets obscured, and it never gets delivered through us to all the people that God had intended for us to be a blessing to. I'm going to preach a little bit. There's, there's something about Thanksgiving, a theology of Thanksgiving. We can't lose our place. Uh, and and if, you, if we lose our place, something, something is triggered. Because, you know, in a few days, we're all going to be uh, in our homes or some, some extended family or friendship situation. And uh, some of our family traditions will afford a moment where they go around the room or they go around the table and say, we're going to go around and you tell us what you're thankful for. One thing that you're thankful for. And in those moments, um, you'll get varying responses. And even now, you might want to load up in your RAM, your hard drive, the forefront of your lobe, your, your frontal lobe here, uh, what it is you are thankful for. Maybe you'll summon uh, the stuff of life. I got a new car. The stuff of life. I got a new house. Hey, these are good things. These are, these are good answers. Good house, new house, yeah. Uh, maybe you'll give thanks for the situations of life or the stations of life that have transitioned for you this year. You know, I, I'm, uh, I got a new job, or I, I got a new spouse. You know, good things, right? Good answers. Well, not a good new spouse, like you got rid of the bad spouse. I mean, our stories are varied. <laughs> God's grace is sufficient. Um, you know, good things, good answers. The stuff, the situations, the uh, stations of life. But a theology of thanks goes deeper than assets gained and goals realized, right? A theology of thanks goes deeper than just a list of things you wanted that you got, things you, you hoped for that happened, right? A theology of thanks goes deeper. And we read in our text that there is a theology of thanks that is not reliant on the serendipity of my own personal prosperity. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Like there is a brand of thanks that goes beyond this is what I got and this is what I did. We, we just read, in all things, give thanks. That's a higher brand of gratitude. That's like, a, that's like expert level gratitude and thanks, thankfulness, right? Because it's a constant. It's not dependent on stuff. It's not dependent on situations. It's not dependent on stations of life. Thankfulness, the theology of thankfulness goes beyond my personal prosperity. It goes deeper than what I see and what I sense and what I, uh, uh, what I have inventoried as my experience. For instance, this week, 
I was driving. I was on my way to an appointment. Always room for God to move while you're driving around the DMV, isn't there? You're, you're in the district. You're in Maryland. You're in Virginia. You're driving around, and you're, you, you need God to move because Maryland drivers won't. Virginia drivers, they all got the, you know, what's that crazy license plate they got? Like tread on me or, you know, live free or die. Yeah, they're driving like it. You know, and, and there's no hope for Washingtonians. Trust us. We know this. And so uh, I'm, I'm driving on my way to an appointment. I'm delayed in traffic. And I question, where is God? Right. You know, you ever get that? You're, you're being delayed and you're like, where is God? God, I'm doing stuff for you. I hate being late. Let me tell you, I was late again today. I'd like to blame it on the fact that all four of my sons are home right now. Well, uh, three of them. The other one's married now. But, he, and, but I can't blame it on them. It was me. I was late. I hate being late. And so I, I'm being delayed to this point where I say, where is God? Five minutes later, I discovered that because of the delay, um, I avoided a massive accident. Multi-car, pile-up, I mean, very serious and within five minutes, I went from, where is God? And five minutes later, I'm, God is good. Right? I went from where God is absent to God is good. And the situation didn't change. The only thing that changed is I got on the other side of the moment to see with hindsight that it wasn't God delaying me. It was God sparing me. Where is God? I think you need 2020 eternal hindsight to really see how good God has been to us. You know, and, and I don't have it. Do you have it? So, so how do you be thankful at all times? Because, it, now, I, I, read this, I, I read this parable um, earlier this week. I, in fact, I read this to our Heights Men Bible study group, which happens on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m., and it is awesome. Troy's always on. Uh, he's on the phone call early in the morning. Miguel is on a lot of the time. Carrie Williams has been like four weeks in a row. And Carrie, I'm so proud. He was like, man, it's so hard. It's so early. I was like, Carrie, <laughs> there's hard things in life. <laughs> Getting up to an alarm is not one of them. Let's just do it. And uh, he's been an all-star. But I, I shared this I shared this, pa this uh, parable because I think this is so relevant because this has got to be more than a holiday. Thanksgiving can't be like a holiday culturally relevant message. This, be, this is a kingdom message. It's, it's peculiar and it's what makes us a peculiar people is that we are in Thanksgiving mode even when things don't look like it's thankful. And so the, here's a parable. It's fairly short, but I think it's... it's decidedly pointed in the message. It says, a farmer and his son had a beloved horse who helped the family earn a living. One day the horse ran away and, their neighbors, and the neighbors exclaimed, your horse ran away. What terrible news. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. A few days later, the horse returned home, leading a few wild horses back to the farm with him. The neighbors shouted, your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. What great news. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to break one of the horses, and the horse threw him to the ground, breaking his leg. The neighbors cried out, your son broke his leg. What terrible news. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. A few weeks later, soldiers from the National Army marched through town recruiting, recruiting boys for the army. They did not take the farmer's son because he had a broken leg. The neighbor shouted, your boy is spared. What tremendous news. To which the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. 
I like this parable because it really reveals you need 2020 eternal hindsight to really cut the cross sections of your circumstances and analyze them in such a way to say, that was a good thing that happened to me. That was a bad thing to me. Maybe so, maybe not. The principle here is don't allow a temporary bad result guide your, guide your praise to an eternally good God. Don't let a temporary bad result guide you, release you, temper you, diminish your praise to an eternally good God. Like this is a theology of thanksgiving. This is a theology of thankfulness. That means I don't really need much to be thankful because I am thankful in all things. And even if I don't have good things, I got some things. And if you got things, you can be thankful. Right? Well, uh, my wayward son. Oh, you have a son? Be thankful. Well, my house has got these problems. Oh, you have a house? Be thankful. Oh, my toxic workplace. Oh, you have a workplace? Be thankful. Right? And you say, if you got things, you can practice the theology of thankfulness. So how can we develop it? Let me give you two thoughts, and they're going to be rapid fire in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? Amen. Bilingual congregation. Number one, a theology of thanks understands that God is developing my thankfulness for my own good. He's developing my thankfulness for my own good. It's like a muscle. Thankfulness is like, you gotta, you gotta exercise it. You gotta find it. Like recently, um, some of you who know my personality know I love experiences and I have a lot of pastimes and uh, recently I've taken up archery. <laughs> the gear I have in my garage, you wondered last week why I was clearing out so much gear, it's because I'm acquiring new gear. And so I'm out on the side of my yard in my house in Washington, D.C. with all of our pickup trucks in a boat and people are just driving by and I'm shooting targets in my, it's hilarious. But uh, and what I realize is the, the muscle that you use to pull a bowstring is a muscle you use for nothing else. You didn't know it was there. There was no other exercise to access it. It's right back there, and you can't find it unless you're doing that one very specific motion. And it takes resistance to grow it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like any other muscle. It takes developing it. It's developing thankfulness is like developing a muscle. There needs to be resistance. There needs to be resistance to grow in thankfulness. See, there's no resistance in giving thanks when things go well. <laughs> there's no resistance in giving thanks when anybody can give thanks. But to give thanks when you're not sure if this is good, I haven't gotten to the 2020 eternal hindsight moment to look back and go, oh, that was God saving me, for, preparing me, uh, aligning me. No, no, you don't know yet. But to give thanksgiving in all things, in tough things, in bad things, in unexpected things, when we thank God for who he is, regardless of what is happening, we start growing in our thankfulness because there's resistance because our emotions say, this isn't good, you know, and our, and our budget says, this is definitely not good. And maybe your spouse or friends or people around you, the tribe that you run with, doesn't know that God is good. And so anything that happens is bad. And in those moments when you decide, you know, it says in all all things to give thanks so I'm going to give thanks 
some of this is simply seeing that thanklessness, like if we saw thanklessness how God sees it, can we just journey down this thought for a moment? If we could see thanklessness, you say, why a theology of thankfulness? Because thanklessness is very serious to God. So understand, team can put up for a second Timothy chapter three. Shocking what you're about to read with me. It says, but I know this, Paul is writing, he says, I know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Man, it feels perilous lately, doesn't it? Last couple of years feels a little perilous. And it says, verse two, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying its power, and from such people, turn away. Now, now, if you're with me, and you just read what we just read, you're just, you're just examining this maybe for the first time, and you're reading blasphemers. You're reading slanderers, despisers of good, traitors, unloving, unforgiving. What is unthankful doing on this list? What is unthankful doing on this list? Does that concern anybody but me? <laughs> Does that concern you? It illustrates the power and the potential of a thankful life. It illustrates what God thinks of when there's, this is just our wrap up today, when the, when the 10 lepers are healed and nine go away unthankful and one comes back filled with thanks. We live in a culture well-trained in the dark arts of being unthankful, ungrateful, unappreciative. Like it's, it's just complaining. It's like, if, if we didn't have complaining on social media, we wouldn't have social media. You know what I mean? And another thing, you know, another, I got some grievances I want to get off my, here we go, United Airlines, I can't believe you lost my bag, blah, 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 blah. It, which I understand, people do that, fine. I personally never have, there will probably be a day I do it. And you go, you said you wouldn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you, right? We're fighting this muscle that wants to express the, the language of the culture in which we live. But there's a kingdom culture in which we have been born again into. And the kingdom culture is one that says, in all things, people with a gripe, people with a gripe to make or an ax to grind rarely have a thanks to give. They rarely have a thanks to give because they're too busy in these negative moments and there's a blessing in gratitude and thankfulness, right? There's, there's a blessing in expressing gratitude and thankfulness in all things. And so what, I, what we want to just see, grab out of this first idea is good things come to those who thank. It's really simple. Good things come to those who thank. And you say, well, I thought thanks came from people who got good things. No, no, good things come to those who thank. Even, even physically, even naturally. I, I probably don't have the time to go into all of it, but Harvard did a, a study uh, it's been 10 years now, um, on the blessing of gratitude in a thanks-filled life. I, I love e Even your health is impacted. And the assignment was that this. One group wrote about things they were grateful for every day. A second group wrote about their daily irritations and disappointments every day. Sound like a society we know? 
they wrote about it every day for 10 weeks. At the end of the 10 weeks, those who were expressing gratitude improved physical and emotional and social well-being, uh, experienced greater optimism and happiness, experienced improved feelings of connection in times of loss and crisis, experienced increased self-esteem, experienced heightened energy levels, experienced strengthened heart immune system and decreased blood pressure, experienced improved emotional and academic intelligence, experienced expanded capacity for forgiveness, experienced decreased, decreased stress, decreased anxiety, decreased depression, and decreased headaches, and experienced improved self-care and a greater likelihood to exercise. <laughs> Listen, it's for your benefit. Good things come to those who thank. Don't lose your place. Come on, don't lose your place. God is developing my thankfulness for my own good. Number two, you didn't think we'd get there, but we're going to wrap it up. Number two, a theology of thanks understands I need to practice expressing thankfulness. I, I'm, I have to get practical about this, and I'm going to have to practice expressing thankfulness. And First uh, Thessalonians 5 kind of under, uh, underpins this idea. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Very similar. But listen, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. We, we rejoice, we pray, we give thanks in all things, in all circumstances. That's why worship is such a powerful thing that happens. It's not a crowd breaker. It's not an opportunity to try to align like the, the synergy of a big moment with, with a lot of people in a room. No, there is an expression happening in worship that says, God, I am a thankful, grateful heart. I'm positioning in my, myself in a place that acknowledges, God, anything that's good that I have came from you. And anything bad that, I'm, that is happening, you're going to get me through it. And in that midst of worship, worship is not just rear view mirror, thank you for what you did. Worship is, is future, perfect, present tense. It's looking forward saying, God's got it. God's in it. God can control it. And this passage really puts it in terms of prayer and praise and practicing developing a theology of thankfulness. How do I develop a thankful heart? Well, count your blessings, not your bruises. We all have a choice to make in any situation. Count your blessings or count your bruises. Oh, let me tell you about the horrors. I, yeah, I, I'm sure you can. Let me tell you about the bad things. I, I'm sure the list is long. But if you want to develop a theology of thankfulness, well, I don't know what I have to be thankful for. I didn't win the lottery. Two billion dollars. Can you imagine the good I could have done? Dude, you're not, you're not tithing on a hundred. What are you, you going to do with two billion? You're going to give that away? No. Come on. Well, my spouse isn't living up to my expectations. Oh, oh you have a spouse. Well, the economy is bad. My budget is busted. Oh, you have income to budget? Listen, some of us remember when we didn't have income to budget. My job is toxic. That's like, that's one of my favorites. Oh, you have a job? 
Is that the job we prayed you into last year when you were praying for months and months and months and you just needed a job and God showed up and gave you a job and now the job is hard? Can we retire the word toxic to express and describe anything that is hard, difficult, or doesn't give us everything we want in every given moment? <laughs> it's a toxic workplace. You want to hear about a toxic workplace? Talk to David, whose employer was King Saul who would undercut him, undermine him, rally people against him, and literally tried to kill him. You're, you're David. You're just sitting in the courts playing your harp. I'm employed by King Saul to do what? Worship all day. Give thanks all day. Really? That's your job? Yeah. And so for some reason, King Saul's so, so threatened by him. Always undermining. He's jealous of him. He's contentious. Throwing spears at him in the middle of the workday. Carlos, I'm not that bad of a boss, am I? Have I ever thrown a spear at you? <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> Pastors shouldn't call people out. That is a toxic work environment, David. Why would God want you in a difficult place? I don't know, because maybe David is God's next, and God knows if he's going to really be my next, i got to put him close to the now. Because when he's near the now man, he'll never make some of the mistakes as the next man. When he sees the jealousy that drives Saul, when he sees the insecurity, instead of, instead of having a heart for people and leadership, God knows what is your next. And so sometimes he puts you in situations that are uncomfortable, untenable for probably some of us but you have a grace on you because God didn't let you lose your place he put you in the place that he was gonna prepare you for because he's got another place and a next place where you're gonna thrive in because you took the time to develop a theology of thankfulness I'm not just always squirming and trying to get out of what I'm in Count your blessings. I got a roof over my head. Count your blessings. Last year this time, we lost heat in this building. Right? It was like a few weeks from now, we lost heat. I, I, I'm not just great. Be specific about that. I'm grateful for a building and heat. Hey, I'm grateful and I'm thankful we got no lockdowns. We can come to church. We can be in this room together. I'm, I'm grateful for clean drinking water, relatively speaking, in Washington, D.C., I'm grateful because I'm rarely, I rarely am hungry. Rarely. Do you know how much of the world can't say that? Like, you wouldn't know a hunger pain. You would thought my son the other day, <laughs> I'm going to pick on one of my sons. Heather called me. She's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to say which son. He goes, she goes, he, he's got a stomach pain. Should we bring him to the ER? I was like, what? No. Is he coughing up blood? Like, no, we're not going to the ER. Give it like two minutes. It was probably just a hunger pain. Our kids are like, what is this that I'm feeling? Hunger? I've never experienced this in 12 years of my life. Right? Some of us haven't experienced a hunger pain in a long time. Let's be honest. It's a truth that unlocked doors for you, right? Right? We got friends. I'm thankful. We got family. I'm thankful. We got church community. I am so thankful. We got a God who loves us, doesn't give up on us, has a plan for us, is always working to, to, for our long-term eternal restoration. Not just your temporary comfort. So if your temporary comfort gets disrupted a little bit, no, it's for an eternal glory. 
It's something so more important, so much more important. You know, you got health. Well, I got this problem or that problem. Yeah, but you're breathing. You're here today. We're here today. We've got no guarantees for tomorrow. But we're alive to say, God, with every breath, I'm going to give you thanks. With every breath, I'm going to declare, God, you are good. Even setbacks when, when placing God's hands. Come on, he's, he's helped form me. He's helped strengthen me. He's helped fashion me. He's making me into who he needs me to be. My sins are forgiven. My eternity is settled, right? My God is on the throne. He gets the last word. Come on, this is what we're saying. And, and, and yet in all these things, he's working for our good. I'm going to be thankful. Amen. Developing a theology of thankfulness. And my God can turn a hard thing into a good thing. Just like that, right? A sad thing or an unexpected thing, a tough thing into a God thing. Just like that. So I've learned I cannot trust what my eyes see in evaluating what I think is thanksworthy or praiseworthy. That's why the Bible, I'm just settling in all things, I will give thanks. Because when we get to the end of the thing, we're going to see that God God was in control of the whole thing all the way through. So that's, that's our one setting. We've got one setting. I thank the Lord at all times, right? In everything, I give thanks. The fruit of my lips will continually give him praise. Amen. I, that's why David wrote, I will enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his in, into his presence with praise. And so, uh, gosh, I, I, I'm just believing in this season for your life that the theology of thanksgiving. Father, we thank you for every life in this room. We, we, we pray that we would not um, simply dabble in the shallow waters of being thankful for what we can see and recognize as far as we understand to be good. But God, we would not, uh, we wouldn't just put it in good things. We would put it in the person of a good God. You are good. There is none other. You are good. And every good and perfect gift comes from you. So God, we trust you. And we're going to just allow you to give us some of that resistance we need to develop the muscles of thankfulness. Even when we're confused or even when we're, we're not sure where things are headed, we're going to live a thanks-filled thanks life. With every eye closed right here in the room, wherever you're watching and viewing and listening from today, just close your eyes right where our Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do a work that none of us can do. You begin to align us in response to this word that faith would come alongside it to say God is good God is able God isn't done God's got this and I'm going to thank him and I'm going to worship him and I'm going to give God glory in peculiar strange moments where the world would lament I'm going to rejoice and say God this is yours and if you're in this room today, you're listening right now, and you say, I don't know what I have to give thanks for. Can I tell you what you can give thanks for today is the love of God that endures forever and ever for you. The love of God for you is real. The love of God was put on full display when Jesus, God in the flesh, showed up on earth, surrendered his life even after living perfectly without ever committing one sin. 
but yet put himself in a position to submit to a to a uh, unjust legal system <clears throat> that convicted him and crucified him even though he was perfect he hung on a cross and in that act took upon himself everything that you have ever done everything we will ever do the Bible says that when he hung on the cross he became the full payment and satisfaction for the judgment that you and I rightly deserve and that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus already did it. But you do have to receive the forgiveness that can only come by faith in what Jesus has done for you. So I want to pray a prayer with you this morning, every eye closed. If you have nothing else today, start here. God's love for me is real. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. His love endured him even while he hung on the cross. His love endures today. Even while you stand in a moment of uncertainty and indecision, his love for you endures. And your response today is to say, I receive the love that God has for me. I'm going to count to three, and when I hit three, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand. And by lifting your hand, you're saying, God, I need you in my life. I need the forgiveness that can only come from a relationship with Jesus and accepting what Jesus did for me on the cross. Some of us need that for the first time. Some of us, it's a recommitment moment because you know, you know your heart has grown cold. So we're going to provide this moment right now. We're not going to call any attention to you. But I believe that there, when there's a response in the outward of an inward decision, God meets your faith in that moment. Are you ready? One, don't wait. Today is your day. Two, he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He's got a place for you. Are you ready? Lift your hand. Every eye closed. One, two, three. Lift them up. Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else say, include me in that prayer. Thank you. I got you. Anybody else in the balcony? Maybe you're online. Uh, with the online campus, just lift your hand. Just say, that's me. God sees you wherever you are. Praise God. Maybe you didn't feel comfortable lifting your hand, but you know this moment is for you. We're going to pray a prayer nice and loud all together. Join with us in strength and, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. Thank you that your love, it endures forever. You've got a place for me. You forgive me, you love me, and you have a plan for me. So I give my life to you. Every mistake I've made, every mistake I will make, I put my life in your hands. Now say this boldly, I am a Christian. By God's grace I've been saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we rejoice with those who just prayed that prayer?